You know, if we're, we're looking at our life, we often look at it from a physical standpoint. And there's no better way of looking at our life, and I say that somewhat facetiously, and yet there's a lot of truth in what I'm going to say. And that commercials really let us know where we stand with our lives. I mean, they market everything to things that appeal to our flesh. And so if, if we look at the commercials, we get the commercial that says you buy this and your life is going to be healthier, happier, better, longer, whatever it is. But just buy it. And guess what we do? We buy into it. And then after we bought the product, oh, one so great. <laughs> and then we hear the other commercial that says if you go on this vacation or you take Calgon and all your problems go away until the bath is over. Or the vacation. And then we're also told that if you take this medicine, and we're full of medicine in our lives, just open up the cabinet and there it is. Take it and life is going to be so much better. And in, and in cases it is. But I tell you what, we were coming back from Jackson, I believe it was, or one of these days um, from one of these uh, vacation Bible schools. And we heard this 10 second piece of some medicine that was so wonderful. And then 45 to 50 seconds of but <laughs> all the side effects. And you wonder, what was this about again? <laughs> but if you take this medicine, you'll be so much better. The fact of the matter is, we go on living life and the trials are still there. The stress is still there. We go through health problems and whatever troubles we're faced with every single day. Well, when we look at things from the grand picture, like... From heaven's eternal door, if you will, looking back upon this very short segment of history we call time and the history of mankind. All this is like nothing. Right? It's nothing. In fact, the writer in Ecclesiastes tells us at the very beginning, everything is vanity. In fact, he starts off this wonderful letter on such a downing note, just a downer of a note. Can you imagine? I'm going to write you a letter that's going to give you such wonderful words of wisdom. And the first thing I say is, life is just awful. Everything is vanity. That's what he starts off with. He says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. What, prophets ha what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. And, and he goes on and on. And then what he says in this first chapter is, listen, I have tried everything under the sun that you can have. I've tried to apply myself to wisdom. I've tried to apply myself to folly. I've tried to apply myself to work. And in every single instance, the conclusion is the same. It's all vanity. And he gives us a glimpse of something beyond what is vain. He says, you know, when I look at life, what I've learned is that I need to be happy about the things that I'm doing. That whatever work I engage myself in, take pleasure in it. Rejoice in the fruit of that labor. Otherwise, it's vanity. Because, listen, I might have toiled and worked so very hard, and then I have to die and leave it to someone who may not use with wisdom what I have worked so hard for. 
And even then, it's still vanity. And so Solomon's experience, experience um, of life, not experiments, experience of life led him to that conclusion that all, in fact, is vanity. And so when he says this, he says it with this qualification by the time you get through this. And I think we're going to need a new bulb. <laughs> this thing is getting dark. When we look at this life, everything, period, is, in fact, vanity without God. There are many people who are living in this life and not having the full life that God desires for us to have. And I believe that God, when he wants us to have a full life, he's not just looking at eternity where we can be with him forever. We can have a full life while walking with him in this world, in the midst of trials, in the midst of stress. And there are many people that never learn this. You know, in, in some cases, there are some that, that learn how to live a full life. There are atheists that live, a, from an earthly perspective, a full life in some ways more full than many Christians. Sorry to break the news, but that's reality. It happens with some. And there are some who are much more impoverished than we. And they live a more full life than, than we with many things that we can enjoy materially in this world. That's the exception to the rule. The rule is that most live their lives without joy. I was in Target last week. And I was getting some, some nuts to, to eat on to snack or for Julie and, and what have you. And I was passing by and there was this one worker and, and someone who was visiting her. And just talking about all the woes of this life. I'm just talking out for everyone to hear, apparently. And I bet it's very typical. If we were to just open the floodgates, and I remember Steve, and I, I, I need to apologize to Steve. He said, well, you know, how are you doing, Mitch? And I just was like this yesterday. Man, I'm tired. And I just whined to Steve. <laughs> I appreciated him lending his ear. I was just worn out. But many live their lives that way. Not just a small segment. It's just lifestyle, worn out. The troubling part is not the people of this world. That's why we're reaching the gospel to them so that they can learn of something much better than this vain life that we live without God. But what gets me is when I see my brothers and sisters in Christ living this way. And it happens. There are brothers and sisters in Christ that you wonder if the joy of the Lord is in them. And we just sang the song, right? Of having the joy in Him. You'd never know it. So, it's, it's one thing for people in this world this way, but how much more so when we have those who profess to be children of God, who've given their lives to Jesus Christ, not to live the kind of life that God would have for us. But with God, we have purpose. When we put on Jesus Christ in our lives, we have a direction that is very clear. And that clarity brings us to a point in our lives that we go from just with nothing without pur or living life without purpose, having no end result, if you will, that all is vanity to something that is very profitable. And what we're talking about is a genuine relationship with God. I'm telling you right now, I can tell you from personal experience 
that while I've always had a relationship with God since I obeyed the gospel, life has been so much better the last probably, I would guess, around seven years for Mitch Davis. I didn't know what it was like to have a genuine relationship with God. I thought I did. And it wasn't that I didn't have my happy moments and times of praising God. I, I praised God throughout these 22 years in the Lord. But there was something that I was able to learn. And it's not anything new under the sun. It's not some new secret or anything like that. It was just that I got to a point where I was able to have my Lord be everything to me. And I'm telling you right now, brethren. We got it here in Bible class in sermons, and we still haven't gotten in our lives. And as a result, we don't understand that relationship of just letting go, taking off this mask, and living with the Lord, and giving Him all we have. You know that song we sing? None of self and all of thee? That's one of the most difficult songs to sing. Because we're not there yet. But we want to be. And I believe we can be. When I look at the lives of many who have given themselves to the Lord, I can see it's possible for us to live richly in this regard. And so we're talking about enjoying life to the fullest. And it's going to apply itself in every aspect, beginning fundamentally with a relationship with God. And it's going to manifest itself in the relationship we have with one another. And if we get this, brethren, we have it all. I honestly believe if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have everything. And I don't mean it just from a mental or a lip service. I really mean that. If you have him, you have everything. And that is why I could go to my brothers and sisters in Christ in Machala, Ecuador, and see them living in just uh, ghastly conditions. And see awesome joy that they have for God and happiness, true happiness, enjoying life in a very full manner. And I believe this is what God wants for us. And so many go through this life without this. And for many, you'll talk to them in the world. And some of us will go knocking on doors right here in, in Franklin. And we, we find out what's going on in the lives of our neighbors here. And I cannot help but think of this lady, without mentioning her name in case she's listening to our sermons right now. I don't want to point her out specifically. But I remember saying, you know, is there anything we can do to pray for you? And I remember Kim, I'm not Kim, but... um. Matt and Sarah going over to them as well on another occasion, talking to them. Loses, loses her only sister months ago. Loses her job weeks before. Brand spanking new here in Franklin, Tennessee. Recently gone through a divorce. Talk about devastation. Having come down here for a job, lost her job. Just full of despair. Many come to a point like this in their lives where they hit, for whatever reason, they hit rock bottom and they're grasping for something much better than what they have. And no matter what they grasp onto, whether it's alcohol or drugs or some worldly lifestyle, they find it grasping for the wind. They don't have it. And that goes for the very wealthy among us. Who having everything under the sun, take their lives. Because they don't have what they really are seeking for. Many 
even go through life. Well, when I say many, the exception. Well, they go through like in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, where you have this rich man who says, man, I've got all this wonderful wealth. What am I going to do with it? Huh? I'm going to build me a barn. I guess when that barn fills up, I'll build me another. I wonder how many barns Microsoft or not Bill Gates has. <laughs> Probably got a lot of barns. But if you don't have the Lord, then all those barns are going to be given to someone else. And then what? They might have a quote-unquote full life, maybe from a worldly perspective, but then that's it. And life being but a vapor for us, we come to realize there's something greater. And we've missed it. And that's a life and relationship with God. And so the most important thing is, why wouldn't Christians, because that's who most of us are here. I don't know if people, I mean, if you're not a Christian, raise your hand so I'll know who you are. Okay, you're not raising your hand. Either you don't admit it. Or you're not here and it's just almost all Christians. That's who this message is for, by the way. Brethren, we have got to understand this lesson. Having a full life in Christ is God's desire for us. And we can have it. And I'm not talking like some tele-evangelist where I'm saying, well, you have this full life. If you just give me your thousand dollars, you're going to be blessed. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about you giving up your life to God. In such a manner that you glorify him every aspect. And you know, just like heaven, when we forever and ever praise our God, you'll live that way right here. In the midst of your trials, when you count it all joy. That when you suffer, you don't suffer as an evildoer, you don't suffer as an ungodly person, you suffer as a Christian, knowing that your joy is found in Christ. That's the kind of life we're talking about. This is the kind of life that you can have if we go back to what Tom was saying in our prayer. If we're able to love our God with all our heart, soul and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what the law and the prophets upon which these two commandments hang. Right. That's the that's the core message of the gospel to love God and give our lives to him. And in similar fashion that we voluntarily sacrifice our lives for the betterment of another soul. Now you tell me if there's anything more important than that, and then Jesus is going to have to revise his words as given in Scripture. On these two hang the law and prophets. And so many don't enjoy their life as God intends, and the question is why? I think it's because as Christians... We go through our Bible classes and we read of all these things and we know it from a mental standpoint. We know that, you know what, even the demons believe in God, but that doesn't make their life very joyful or fulfilling. And many of us just have this academic knowledge. Brethren, we've got to go well beyond that academic knowledge. We've got to have a genuine relationship. And there are some that they... They have this understanding of the Lord, but it's not this Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, a spiritual understanding. See, that was the problem with the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth, they had gifts. They had the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge. They had all of those gifts. And they still lacked. They were bitter at one another, competing against one another. Look at how great I am. 
full of division. They didn't have the spiritual understanding even though they had the spiritual gifts. But when we do have that spiritual understanding, then we walk with our God the way we ought. Look at Romans chapter 8. What does Romans 8 verse 28 say? That all things work together for good to those who what? Love the Lord, right? Well, we know that passage, but I want you to look at what the the next verse says, because this is the verse that helps us in that walk for us to love the Lord, to seek after him and where all things can can work out through his providential care over our lives. In verse 29, he says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, If we want to know what it's like to have a full relationship with God, a genuine relationship with God, there's no one better than Jesus Christ. He is the express image of God. He is the exact representation of God's character. And when we look at his life, now we see God's intention for us, for us to be conformed into the image of his son. And when we are, in fact, conformed into the image of his son, we walk so differently we're not like the pharisees who not only have the laws down but decide to make even more laws to make sure we don't break the main ones no because we're conformed to the image of jesus christ not the pharisees we're not conformed to those who are very fleshly minded but professing christ who do things according to their own wisdom and that's why colossians chapter 2 when you read the entire chapter don't touch Don't handle, don't taste. Having some kind of professed wisdom, some kind of facade of humility. He says, but that's just false religion. That's just empty philosophy, empty deceit. That's what the totality of that second chapter is about. Instead of being found in Christ Jesus and being full in him. That's what distinguishes the relationship between one who walks according to their own wisdom, doing all kinds of things as if they're serving God, like Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And then he says, depart from me. I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. You practice lawlessness. Whatever you've done, you are not found in me. That's the distinction. And there are many brothers and sisters in Christ needing to learn what God intends for us if we're to be found in Christ Jesus and be full of joy in Him. And we can have that, brethren. We can absolutely have that. So that when we do whatever we're going to do, when we sing to Him, when we pray to Him, when we serve Him in whatever capacity we serve Him, every bit of it is profitable because we have Him. He's in our life. I want you to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I want you to, to read verses 24 through 26 and see what Solomon, with all his wisdom, is saying. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Verses um, 24 to 26 says, Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For who can eat 
Or can, who can have enjoyment more than I? For it is God who gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. Stop and think about that. Are you found in the Lord? Because when you're found in Him, He gives you everything. That is why you can have passages like Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that we have every spiritual blessing found in Christ Jesus. And that He predestined us to walk in this manner. That's what He says when you read first chapter 1 of Ephesians 1. And chapter 2, when you get to verse 10, by that time he says, we are all made in Christ Jesus as a workmanship of God, created in him for every good work. And when we live that way and have a relationship that we walk with our God in a genuine way, look at what he gives to us. It's far greater than the material things of this world. He gives us things that helps us to realize what life is for, meant for, and that is to live to his glory. To honor Him. To magnify His name. And brethren, I'm telling you right now, there's not enough of children of God that I have known over my 22 years that are doing this. We get too embarrassed magnifying God's name. Somehow it's only okay in the pulpit. But when we're out in the parking lot, we're out in Target or Walmart or at the store of some sort or at the park someplace, we get hush about our God. And we let some charismatic somewhere praise God's name. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, I love God too. Life is so much more enjoyable when you magnify Him in every aspect of your life. In private, when no one's around. But also in public, when everyone is around so they can see how much you love your God and walk with Him. And they get to want to be with you. To be attracted by the love that they see of Christ in your life. Isn't that what Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 is about? That you so shine before men that they get to see God through you. That's what our life is like when we have a genuine relationship with God. And that is why we live our lives even in the midst of persecution. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 following. Even in the midst of that persecution, we live joyfully. And people get to see something so drastically different than the way those who profess Christianity but have nothing to do with the Lord, or those who are in this world grasping at wind, live their lives. All endeavors are in fact profitable, but it only happens when we give ourselves to God. And when we do, we're told in Romans chapter 8 following, that we will then become vessels of honor. Vessels of glory. Not common vessels. And stop and think about this. As many times as we do, we wonder, well, what's my calling? I've heard that from Christians. I've heard that people professing Christianity. What's my specific calling? I know we're called to be Christians, but what's my specific calling? Your specific calling is this. Glorify God. Honor Him. You believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you let the whole world know about Him and to come into a covenant relationship with Him. Having been buried with him in baptism to rise and walk in newness of life, that is very specific to you individually. So, well, that's not the message or answer I was looking for, Mitch. I was talking something even more specific than that. <laughs> Listen, you can do that where you're a gospel preacher or a school teacher or a doctor or whatever. That's specific to your walk. 
everything you do is to the glory of God. That's how you live your life, specifically. When you do that, people become attracted. I'll share this with you. I remember I had just obeyed the gospel. I was working at Mid-Nebraska Mental Retardation Services. It was a very high turnover rate. High stress. And the manager was very confused and brought, said, Mr. Davis, I want you to come into my office. Oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> so I go into the office. Sit down, young man. Yes, ma'am. Why are you so happy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let me tell you. I am a Christian. Yes. That's why I'm happy. You mean to tell me that in the midst of this work that you do, I don't see anyone happy and you're the only one that I see with a smile on your face doing this work? I said, because I have Jesus Christ. She goes, I want to learn about this Jesus that you know, because that's not the Jesus I know. You see the opportunities you have to evangelize the wonderful good news? When you live a full life, there are people who are searching for something better than what they have, and they're going to be attracted to you. They're not going to be attracted to you without it, though. When you have a genuine relationship with God, they want the same thing. But you've got to have that. Then you can be a Barnabas. You can be an encouragement to someone. You can be a source from this world's vantage point because what your source is, is God himself. Your relationship is with him. When they say, where do you get your strength from? From God, from Jesus Christ. Where do you get your happiness from? From him. What, what don't you get from him? Nothing. Because I get everything from him. Brethren, over the next month, the next four weeks, when we look at relationships with people in this world and we look at relationships with one another, this is the epitome. This is the beginning place, if you will, and this is the pinnacle. It's the, be the beginning and the ending of our lives. It's our relationship with God. And you cannot have that without the blood of Jesus. You cannot have a full life without first coming into contact with His blood. But for so many even those who have been putting on Christ in baptism have yet to learn a genuine relationship. But you know what it means to be converted? We're told in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Yes, that's right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's the repentance, how you turn away from the way of this world and even the way of the religious world professing Christianity to a genuine relationship with God according to his teaching. And when you do, you learn how light the burden is, the yoke. And you learn to walk very light because you walk with the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, if you learn this, your lives, I promise you, will be transformed, if not greatly enhanced, because you walk with purpose. And you walk, when you walk with purpose, there is great clarity in what you do, in everything you do.